0: So here's some questions. What are you willing to put up with in order to prove your love for someone? What are you willing to put up with in order to prove your love for somebody? What are you willing to endure in order to show your love? When is enough enough? The the passage of scripture we're going to look at this morning is one of the strangest stories in the Bible. And it will push us, if we take it seriously, to consider what am I really willing to put up with to prove I love somebody? Think about it. What are you willing to endure in order to prove your love? Anything? Almost anything? When is enough enough? When I'm done, I'm gone. The book of Hosea. If you have a Bible and brought one with you, go to the book of Hosea. Go to the middle of a Bible and take a right. Before you get to a bunch of names that you can't pronounce, he's the first of the 12 what we call minor prophets. Not minor in their importance, but minor in their breadth. And God asks this man to do something that is absolutely unthinkable. And as we go through this, I want you to think in your mind the answer to those questions. What are you willing to put up with to prove that you love somebody? Think in your minds the answer to the question. What are you willing to endure in order to show love to somebody? Think in your minds the answer for yourself, when is enough enough? In this series that I've titled Relentless Love, I defined that last week as the, the fact that God has a relentless devotion to your highest good. That's what his relentless love means. It's what it does. God has a relentless devotion to your highest good. That all sounds good and well when everything Is good and well but if if you've been religious and you've struggled with religion the idea that God has a relentless devotion to your highest good begins to be questioned when we start feeling we've been real bad because when I've been real bad how committed is God to my highest good right Hosea. This is a very difficult book to read. It's a very difficult book to teach. It's a very difficult book to preach. And I'm curious as to how many have ever been in a church on a Sunday morning and heard a message on Hosea. If you have a Bible and brought one with you, Hosea chapter 1. I want to unpack for you this man's story and his life in the context of his marriage. The word of the Lord came to Hosea. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame. Right off the bat, we have to address this poor girl's name. <laughs> Gomer. <laughs> Sorry. Is anybody named Gomer? I don't make fun of you. Have you ever known someone named, especially a girl named Gomer? That sounds like a country song, it? a girl named Gomer. Yeah. Now, back in the day when I was young, there was a television show, a black and white television show with Jim Neighbors, about a, a guy named Gomer, United States Marine, named Gomer Pyle. And it was kind of funny. This is not so funny. This poor gal named Gomer, you got to believe she's probably set up for failure from the beginning. Who's going to name the, anyway, I'll get off the name Gomer. God asked Hosea, go marry a promiscuous woman and be faithful to her. What are you willing to put up with in order to prove your love for somebody? What are you willing to endure to show your love? When is enough enough? Though she will eventually become a prostitute and give herself to the men of the city, go marry her and be faithful to her. When is enough enough? Right? When the Bible uses the word promiscuous in the Old Testament here, it means literally adultery, fornication, prostitution. The common idea from the commentators is that she wasn't a prostitute when Hosea married her. That, would have, that poses all kinds of issues, doctrinally and theologically, for a God to ask a prophet to marry someone who is actively working as a prostitute though she was certainly very sexual before marriage very promiscuous with many people before marriage and after marriage gave herself to men for money what is a tough assignment from god right <laughs> Have you ever thought, Lord, would you just lose, use me? <laughs> okay, okay, careful. Of all the things that is on a list of a potential spouse one day, this doesn't make the list, right? What are you willing to put up with in order to prove your love for somebody? What are you willing to endure to show love? When is enough enough? What God was doing in Hosea's life and his family's life was creating a living example in flesh and blood of God's love. See, the Bible helps us understand how God views when people, how God views when people walk away from him. And the, the the Bible portrays our relationship with God and God's relationship with humanity, that when people walk away from God and from their relationship with him, the, that God views that as adultery. It's, it's more than I messed up. It's more than, yeah, I made a mistake. It's more than, yeah, my bad. It's, in God's heart it's adultery, it's what it feels like. When we leave the one that we're married to spiritually. And so what God does, it says, Hosea I want your life to present a picture in flesh and blood of my mercy And my grace and my patience towards people who are unfaithful to me. See, God is faithful. We are unfaithful. And God says, I can't just tell you that I love you. I want to show you the extent of my love. And thus, Hosea's assignment. In this account, Hosea represents God. And in this account, Gomer represents us. Why when I say Gomer represents and ask for the response, the, the, the answer is us and not me? Because after all, if we're all in it together, I'm not as bad as anybody else, right? But the moment I say that Gomer does not represent us, Gomer represents me. Then I start to understand who I am. And God's feeling about my wandering. And friends, this is why I am so utterly amazed by grace. This is why grace blows my mind. God's goodness and his love to a whore like me. I have nothing worthy of God loving me. I have nothing that makes me worthy and worth being loved by God. In the, in the King James Version of this passage, it says of Gomer that she is a wife of whoredoms. Or, or says, says to Jose, to, to say, go marry a A woman of whoredoms, a wife of whoredoms. Some suggest, some suggest that the idea that she is a woman of whoredoms or take a wife of whoredoms means that she was actually born of prostitution. And then thus became a prostitute. No, let me just push pause for a moment on the study of Hosea and talk to parents for just a moment. Quick lesson on parenting. Our children oftentimes repeat what they say regardless, or or what they see regardless of what we say. Not all the time, but oftentimes. And so if our children see overindulgence, they will be overindulgent. Do you understand? If they see distance in relationships, they will be distant in their relationships. If they see a lack of affection, they will Lack affection. If they say lack of appreciation, they will lack appreciating. If they see generosity, they likely will become generous as well. If they see actions of faith, they will likely take steps of faith. If they see blame, they will oftentimes give blame. If they see grace, they'll oftentimes give grace. See, what we have to understand, especially as parents, is that much more is learned by what is caught than by what is taught. Do you understand? So if you're married and have children, whatever marriage you want your kids to have, have that in front of them. Do you understand? So let's look at this relationship. Let's look at this marriage. They will have kids. Let's look at the children of this family. The Bible says in chapter uh, 1, verse 3, the second part, and she conceived and bore him a son. So, Hosea, Gomeris, promiscuous woman, he marries her. We will learn later that she has become uh, a, a prostitute, as best we can tell. He gets her pregnant. And the Bible says, she bore him a son. This is Hosea's kid. Hosea's daddy. And of this child, the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. See, so what happened was about 70 years before Hosea the time of Hosea, there was a wicked king and God called on Jehu to be his instrument to depose this wicked king, to remove that king. And God's justice was to rid the land of this wicked king through Jehu. And then Jehu became king. Now in the removal of the king, God said, kill that person, get rid of them as a king. What happened in Jehu's heart is he became filled with this bloodlust And instead of just removing the king and the king's immediate family, he went on to massacre and literally behead 70, 70 young men who were known as the princes of the king. It was horrid. Behead 70 of these young guys. And so by naming this child Jezreel, Every time his name is mentioned, it calls back to the people their history. And this tragic, horrific event. Everywhere this kid goes, they're reminded of the tragedy, of the death, of the pain. It, this is an ugly name. But like naming your kid 9-11. I don't know. It'd be like naming your kid Jonestown. It, you're just like what? See, the the fact is God is saying, I'm going to bring judgment for sin. Make no mistake about it. The story goes on. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her lo-ruhama, which means not loved. What's missing in this statement? Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. What's missing that the first Was mentioned about the first one. Huh? The the words to him are not there. This child most likely is not Hosea's. She didn't bore him a son, she just bore, or, or she didn't bore him a daughter, she just bore a daughter. And so it's likely that this child is someone else's baby. We don't know who baby daddy is, we're not told. And her name is Lo Rohama, which means not love. Most people believe that this was an overarching statement that says that this daughter never knew the love of a father. This family's not getting off to a great start, is it? Watch this, verses eight and nine. After she had weaned Lo Rahama, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo Ami which means not my people. Again, what's missing from this statement about the child? To him. And so here's Hosea. Marries this woman. Has his child. She has two more. And what's said about this family and these kids They represent leaving God, judged by God, unloved and lonely. This family's a mess. When is enough enough? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm just curious would this be enough to make a change? You willing to go through this to prove love? God has asked Hosea to be faithful to one who is unfaithful. Look at what the Bible says in Hosea 3 verse 1. The Lord said to me, now this is Hosea talking, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn as a whore. Hosea has to go find his wife. He literally has to go to the streets looking for his wife. What would it be like? Just think for a moment when you have to walk around your hometown looking for your wife as you look in the faces and the eyes of other men that you know know your wife. Or flip it. Wife, what would it be like for you to walk down to the market looking for your man in the eyes of other women that you know know him when is enough enough would this be enough You know, it's so funny sometimes, I, we got to take a break every once in a while in this story, right? It, it's so funny sometimes when, like, if I were to ask, well, I did ask, and y'all were pretty silent because I think you can kind of feel the, like the, the inerrant tension, but, you know, when I, when, when I asked, you know, uh, what are you willing to, to put up with and to prove love? You know, typically, oh, all kinds of things, everything, it's, you know, when's enough enough? Oh, it's never enough. It's all good, Right. It's amazing how silent everybody is right now. Because for us, isn't enough enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, like if you can't be honest right now, what's the point of this thing? This is a tough assignment. Now go be faithful to her. Even though she's someone else's. So I bought her. This is Hosea talking about his wife. I bought her. What do you mean you bought she's your wife? I bought her. You know what that means? Apparently, she got a pimp. He has to go purchase her. And notice, I bought her 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Let me explain what that means. One, it's amazing to think that a husband has to go buy back his wife because she's owned by another person. It's amazing that he would actually do that. But look at what he paid for her, 15 shekels of silver. That was half the price of a slave. When Jesus was betrayed, it was for 30 shekels of silver, the price of a slave. This woman is so tore up. She's not even worthy of being purchased as a slave. And a half homer of barley, that's half of what you would feed a cow. And so this woman is so torn up by sin. She's not even worth the price of a slave and not even worthy of being fed what you would feed your cattle. Imagine the shape she's in. And imagine your spouse being in that position And you being told, how do you answer the question, what are you willing to put up with in order to prove your love? You willing to put up with this? What are you willing to endure in order to show your love? You willing to endure this? I appreciate a few honest heads in here. Is this enough to be enough? In the book of Hosea, Hosea represents who? Hosea represents God. And this tore up Gomer represents who? Me. You got it right. Then I told her, you're to live with me many days. I'm not going anywhere and I'm not gonna kick you out. I'm committed to you and you're gonna stay with me. The door will always be open to you and all I have is yours. Must not be a prostitute. <laughs> that just sounds funny to me. You must not be a prostitute. Like <laughs> I thought I made it clear. <laughs> like <laughs> if you want to work for the IRS, I get it. But a prostitute, no, not I'm sorry. <laughs> or be intimate with any man. And I'll I'll do the same. Because just because you left me doesn't mean I'm gonna leave you. And just because you hurt me doesn't mean I'm gonna hurt you. I'm not going to respond in kind. And he calls her back to relationship. And he promises to be the one who will uphold the relationship. And it's not contingent upon what she does or doesn't do anymore. He promises to be the one who secures it and I understand why God lets it get this bad in some people's lives sometimes because sometimes God's got to let it get this bad so someone will realize that it's time to go back home it's time to return I'm not surprised that God lets it get this bad for this woman See, because here's the thing if we don't come to God because we've realized His blessings, maybe God will allow it to get so terrible that we come back to Him due to pain. Do you understand? What amazes me about this is that I'm never so far gone that God leaves. It amazes me that I'm never so far gone that God, I'm never so beat up that God gives up. I'm never so used up that God can't build up. I'm never so dirty that God chooses to disappear. And I'm never walking away so far that God chooses to walk out. And neither are you. Why? Because of his relentless love. A relentless devotion to your highest good means he will not walk out even when we walk away. Why does God do all of this in Hosea's life? Why does he ask Hosea to go through this? Well, I think one reason is to prove love. Just to prove love. See, there are some things you can say and others will believe you, but there are some things, it doesn't matter what you say, you got to prove, right? Like it doesn't matter what you say, actions speak louder most times. Don't tell me you love me, show me that you love me. Don't tell me you want me, show me that you want me. Don't tell me you're proud of me, show me that you're proud of me. Don't tell me that I'm important to you, show me that I'm important to you, right? Something's have to be proven. This is true in every arena of life. And so God says, I'm going to prove to you how much I love you says, because you're Gomer. I'm Hosea. And so part of the reason he asked Hosea to do this is to, is to give us something that hits us here that we can feel about love. The other reason is so that there can be an experience of the heart of Christ to his people. See, Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11 say this. This is Paul's prayer. This is Paul's prayer. I want to know Christ. Oh yeah, that'd be a good thing. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And that's what we talked about It easier. I want to know the power that raised Jesus from the dead. But look at the second half of Paul's prayer and the participation in his sufferings. Have you ever prayed that? Jesus, I just want to participate with you in your suffering. becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, we would love to experience the power of the resurrection, but to share in the participation of sufferings, maybe not that. See, but without the suffering, there is no resurrection. And so God says, I want you to feel. I want you to share. I want you to experience what my heart goes through when you walk away from me. It's more than a mess up. It's more than a mistake. It's more than a simple, plethora sin that I say, hey, sorry, God. This is, I want you to feel how important you are to me. And what it does to my heart when you walk away from me. And so Hosea is experiencing the suffering of God. I, I know I'm about out of time, but can I finish? I got I a little bit longer. Is, is that all right? There's something that we've got to learn through the book of Hosea, and, and it's this, that God desires relationship, not ritual. God desires relationship with us, not Ritual. Not religion. See Hosea 6, 6, God says, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your love. Are not any of you old like me and remember the old band Transvision Vamp? None of you remember old school Transvision Vamp Vamp? No? Do you remember Heather? Do you remember? You think so? One of their songs like, uh, I don't want your money, honey, I want your love. Nobody remembers that? No? You guys, you got to get some good, I mean, other than you too, you got to get some other good music. That just reminds like God said, I don't want nothing from you. I just want your love. See, during Hosea's prophecy, during the time of his prophecy, people continued to sacrifice. While living apart from God. They continued to go to the temple. They continued to act holy in worship. They went through the motions thinking that the motions were going to, if I just show up to church, if I just do my duty, I'm good with God. See, they were deep in sin but religious on the surface. Not like anybody you know. Like as long as I jump through the right hoops and as long as I act religious enough, Maybe I'll be all right with God. And God says, I don't want the ritual. I want the relationship. And he's saying, Quit playing games with me. Because when you walk away with me, you're toying with my heart. And I just want your heart in response. But the other thing we have to realize through the book of Hosea is that we've got to learn to stay behind the hedge. This is what I mean. There's two senses of hedges in the Bible. One of them is a hedge of protection. And in Job chapter 1, in a weird conversation between the devil and God, speaking about Job, the devil says, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands. And what he was saying was, you've placed a barrier like a barbed wire fence around his life. I can't touch him. And God says, that's absolutely right. You cannot touch those I put a hedge around. It's very similar to Psalm 18. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, that thing I hide inside that nobody, nothing can get to me from the outside. He's my deliverer, my God and my rock. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horde of my salvation, my stronghold. I'm in the center of him and nothing on the outside can get to me. I'm surrounded by a hedge. You know, I pray those two amongst many others, but those two passages over me and my family every single morning. Because the truth is that because of God's love, he desires to protect us from the ability of the devil to destroy us. If the devil had his way, he would destroy every one of us in this moment right now. Every one of us. And so God has established a hedge of thorns, a hedge of protection and in those days, here's what it was like. It was like, uh, they couldn't build fences real fast. They didn't have a bunch of lumber. They couldn't just put one up. And they didn't have a bunch of bricks and mortar all the time, to carry around with them, build a fence over their stuff. And so what they would do is they would plant these thorn bushes that would actually had pretty significant thorns, not like little rose bushes, pretty significant thorns that were almost as hard as steel. They functioned really very much like barbed wire. And they would plant this around their livestock, they would plant it around their homes, because in in this day, there were all kinds of wild animals. And a wild animal isn't just going to walk through a hedge of barbed wire. You understand? We understand that, right? And especially lions, as they would roar, seeking something to devour would come up against a hedge of thorns and figure it's not worth the fight, I can't get through. And so what was happening in Job 1 is that God had put a hedge of thorns to protect Job and his family from the lion who was seeking to devour him, i.e. the devil. And so there is very much a sense of a hedge of protection that we have the right to pray for ourselves and our family. Protection from the evil one but there's another hedge and the other hedge we learn about is in this passage Hosea and it's not a hedge of protection it's a hedge of frustration Hosea 2 therefore God says I will block her path with thorn bushes and I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way What's happening here is God is putting a hedge of thorn bushes in her path because she wants to wander after other lovers. And he says, I'm going to put a thorn bush, a hedge around you so you can't wander too far away. And the more you press into, your wandering away from me, the more painful it will be for you. See, God causes oftentimes our wanderings to be frustrated and our wanderings to be painful and our wanderings to be disappointing and our wanderings to be difficult. Sometimes when we start going astray, God loves us so much, he lets it get very painful and very bad. We walk away from him and relationships start to disintegrate and fall apart. And we walk away from him and job problems start to face us. And we walk away from him and the money disappears. And we walk away from him and the health diminishes. And we walk away from him And life just isn't fun anymore. And we walk away from him and the future isn't bright anymore. And we walk away from him and we just can't seem to get traction or make movement. It's a hedge of frustration because he loves you. Do you understand? For those who are walking away from God, he's not going to make that path smooth. And many people in those situations just want God to take the pain away. And when God doesn't take the pain away but causes more thorn bushes in their way, they get mad at God. The easiest solution is to return to God. And that's what he's telling Gomer. See, the pain of God's hedges is meant to bring us back to him. And so God says, I will block her path with thorn bushes. She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. Then she will say, I'm going to go back to my husband. Like I did at first. And then there's the invitation, I'll oh, come back to God. Come back. See, the pain of those hedges is meant to draw you back to him. I'd encourage you, if you've got a loved one who's walking away from what you know is the way of God, Pray for a hedge of thorn bushes around them. That they will be so overwhelmingly miserable that they'll realize the only way out is Jesus. That's why some of you are here. I mean, if we can be honest, that's why some of you are here. Because it has gotten that bad. Right? And the reason it's gotten that bad is because God loves you that much. See, it's because of God's love that God is always faithful. It's because of his love that he's always faithful. He has a relentless love that is unrelenting in its pursuit of us, that is unrelenting in calling us to himself. Notice what the Bible says. I will bind you to me forever because my love. For you is re- this is God talking. I will bind you to me forever with chains of righteousness and justice and love, and re- not chains of oppression, not chains of servitude, not chains of duty, but chains of love and mercy. Because my love for you is relentless. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and love, and you will really, then you will really, you will really and intimately know me then as you never have before. My love for you is relentless. I will show love. I will show my love to the one that I used to call, not my loved one. It's the restoration of all things that have been stripped away. You remember that little baby that was called not loved anymore? God says, oh, no, no, she is still loved, and I will show love to them. And I will say to the one called not my people, oh, no, now you have become my people. And they will say, you are my God. And it's not religion that brings us back. And it's not duty that brings us back. And it's not work that brings us back. And it's not worth that brings us back. It's nothing on our end that we, it's simply God's relentless love. I love the fact that Hosea did not ask his wife to change. He didn't expect her to earn love. Nor did he say, I expect you to be deserving of love. Rather, his love was meant to change her. See, Hosea didn't wait. Hosea didn't wait for her to change in order to give her love. Hosea intended that his love would be the thing that changed her. And this is the way it is with Jesus. This is the way it has been with Jesus in my life time and time and time again. Jesus has never said to me and Jesus has never said to you, change first, clean yourself, get your stuff together first. He doesn't say that. He says, get your stuff, He does get your stuff together and then you'll deserve my love. It's not his approach to. It. His approach to us is Hosea to Gomer. Instead, Jesus says, I love you so much. I have shot you in the street and I've bought you back. And because of that, don't reject my love anymore. Give me your heart in response to my love. Here's the best thing we can do in the pages of Hosea. Is be overwhelmed by the love of God to let the realization to let the realization of God's love absolutely overwhelm your heart to realize who you are who you've been And that God says, I've loved you and I will love you with a relentless love. Even when you walk away, I'm not walking out, God says. Even when you turn your back, I'm not turning my face, God says. Even when your heart wanders, my heart remains relentless for you. And then respond, not out of duty, but just to respond in love. When you understand this love, there's no more fear. When you understand this is how God loves you, it eradicates fear and worry and trepidation. When you understand that this love of this God is relentlessly after you, it chases away every shadow the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. When we understand the perfect love of God, it is the remedy to everything there would be. to Would there be any fear in life if we knew we had by our side this God with this relentless love? Would there be any fear? None. Would there be any trepidation about the future? None. Would there be any fear in the moment? None. This love is relentless. And so we say in response to this love, God, whatever you say because your love is relentless, I'll agree with God. Whatever you ask because of your love is relentless, I will agree to God wherever you lead, because your love is relentless. I will follow. I will trust you because of your relentless love and I will obey you because of your relentless love and I will stay because of your relentless love and I will honor you because your love is relentless. You understand Because God has loved a whore like me, I can love unlovely people. Because I know how unlovely I am. Because Christ first loved us in response to that we can love. And when you understand if I can use these words, that he's loved a whore like you, you can love unlovely people. Do you understand? And so here's my prayer, here's my desire, that we would fall in love with the love of God. That would be absolutely overwhelmed with how relentless and unrelenting that is, that he has pursued us when we've walked away, that he's found us when we're lonely on the streets, when we have whored ourselves out to every other thing that the world has to offer. He says, I will betroth you to myself in faithfulness, and I will never leave you. Come back home. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have loved us with an unending love and that you love us with a relentless love. Thank you that from before time began, you chose us to be yours and every step we've taken away from you has simply drawn you closer to us. Thank you that when we've turned our back, you have never turned your face. Thank you that when we've walked away, you've never walked out. Thank you that when we sunk down, you rose up. Thank you that in every step, you were the perfect expression of love towards us. Overwhelm us in this moment. Holy Spirit, I ask in the strong name of Jesus that in this moment you would overwhelm us who are willing to be overwhelmed with the understanding and the experience in this moment of a relentless love, a love that chases us down, a love that finds us in the streets and the corners and the alleys and the byways, a love that loves a whore like me and that we reflect that love. You carry us when we cannot stand. You cover us when we're naked and ashamed. Your love is relentless and we thank you for it, amen.